Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Blog Talk Radio in high fidelity. Welcome to the Along Came a Writer Network. Opinions expressed in our shows do not necessarily reflect those of the network. Well, hello, all your fans of Mystery and Suspense. Welcome to Chat Noir, the Mystery and Suspense show that introduces you to the only slightly creepy folks who write it. (laughs) We want to welcome (laughs) Dr. Richard Mabry today. He writes Medical Suspense. And I'm going to read a little bit about him uh, before I bring him on. Okay, um, he's a retired physician hence the doctor, who in addition to writing is a husband and grandfather. He plays and enjoys, actually enjoys golf, and does the 101 other things that retired people do. He got into non-medical writing after the death of his first wife with the book The Tender Scar, Life After the Death of a Spouse, and which is still in print and available to those who um, would love to read that. Um, And now he writes Medical Suspense with Heart. That's his tagline. His novels have been finalists in the ACFW Carroll Award, Romantic Times Best Inspirational Novel, and the Reviewer's Choice Award. And he's won the CELA and been named by Christian Retailing as the best in mystery, suspense, thriller category. His latest novel is Cardiac Event, which has been given a four and a half star rating and a top pick by Romantic Times. He's also published three novellas, the latest one, Doctor's Dilemma. I want to welcome Dr. Richard Mabry to the show. Hi, Richard. Linda, it's, Linda, it's my pleasure. Well, um, I wanted to start off uh, just asking you, my only foray into, <laughs> into medical suspense was coma. That, <laughs> mm-hmm. That's where I started years ago. Okay, so so tell us the truth. Was that sort of, I mean, was that feasible or even remotely accurate? Oh, let's put it this way: if if you don't mind suspending disbelief, it uh, <laughs> it probably would work. But uh, <laughs> I, I'll I'll be honest with you, uh, that one was a little bit too creepy for me to finish. Yeah. I, don't, I don't care for I don't care for creepy fiction either. I I write what Brandilyn Collins calls uh, you know she she has uh, she writes uh, write with the lights off uh, on suspense. I write lights with the lights off suspense. <laughs> well, I think I, real I mean, life situations sus- are yeah, creepy, off, don't yeah. you? <laughs> without well, you, without even. Be. 
Yeah. Um, oh, so in the ending. the movie Coma, well, the book, I read the book, you know, Coma, and then, of course, mm -hmm. the movie. And, and the scenes from the movie where people are suspended, you know, from the ceiling, um, mm -hmm. that's been copied so many times. And, mm -hmm. you know, and now... Gosh, in this in this day and age, it seems like things you write about that are sort of futuristic are coming to pass in so many ways. Um, but oh, yeah. what ins what inspired you to start writing medical suspense? I know you were probably too busy while you were a practicing doctor. Oh, no question. I uh, I had no idea that I would ever write. Uh, anything in the non-medical realm, uh, you know, any any non-medical writing. I had done, uh, I had either written or edited textbooks before retiring and so forth, but I kind of got into this, I backed into it. Uh, after mm -hmm. Cynthia died, I wanted to write about my experiences, so uh, finally an editor took pity on me and said, you really ought to go to a Christian writer's workshop, which I did, uh, and uh, mm -hmm. that's that at that point, uh, Jim Bell and Al Gansky sort of challenged me to uh, try my hand at fiction. Uh, well, you know, you don't challenge a man to do something, whether it's bowling or golf <laughs> or writing, without his doing it. So uh, I right. tried, and uh, <clears throat> four years and uh, four unsuccessful novels that got 40 rejections later, uh, I was an overnight success. So uh, <laughs> I, I wrote uh, in the medical field because that's what I knew. And, and, and it finally occurred to me, hey, idiot, uh, you, you really ought to write this because uh, you, you know the medical field and uh, you, can, you can make it logical. You can make it to where the average individual, average reader will follow along. Uh, and so, so that's what I tried to do. Did you find it difficult at first, um, not writing proper scientific sentences? Oh, yes. Uh, matter of fact, uh, <laughs> one of my mentors, one of the people whose uh, who's class I took at a, at a, work, mm -hmm. uh, a workshop I took, uh, said <clears throat> that uh, you almost have to unlearn everything that you've learned about mm -hmm. writing uh, in, in the proper form uh, because that's not the way you write fiction. And sure enough, uh, it, it really does require some re-education. Yeah, it, it, you have to, you're right, you do have to throw it all out and start over, mm -hmm. um, even well, if you're yeah. an English <laughs> well, um, And, and I was, I was an English minor. <laughs> and you was, <laughs> you were. <laughs> yeah, you see. Um, now, do you mm -hmm. have favorite mystery writer, modern, or you can go as far back as you want? Uh, actually, uh, there are many, many of them that I like, many that I read, but I have a couple of bookcases that are full of some of the older novels. Uh, Robert B. Parker, for instance, the late Robert B. Parker wrote the Spencer uh, series. Uh, it's one of my favorites. But I will reread his. I'll reread Ross Thomas's and so forth. I'll even go back and look at some of the Agatha Christie's because I have always enjoyed uh, some of these older uh, novels. Now I'm I'm always looking for a new one, but uh, when I when I want to, well, for instance, when Cynthia was in the ICU, I reread all of Robert Parker's books because uh, I could 
kind of be transported away from the uh, from the current events and just to let my mind wander as I as I lost myself in, in his writing. Right. It sort of um, takes you out of your of your present mm-hmm. circumstance. Um, yeah, that's the now, whole, that's the whole idea I think behind behind uh, this kind of I think so too. Writing is yeah. Well, and and also uh, sitting there trying to figure it out to figure out what's going to mm-hmm. happen next, and it's lovely when you can't figure it out. <laughs> um, oh yeah, well I learned I learned this trick from Donald Westlake. He writes what he calls push fiction. I don't I've never heard that term before. No. But Westlake does not know, nor do I, who the bad mm-hmm. guy is when he starts a book. He doesn't know how it's going to end up. Now, now Jim Bell says that you should uh, you should know you should have a knockout ending, uh, and I, I roughly know how it's going to end. But I don't know who the bad guy is going to be. And Westlake says that uh, if if I don't know how it's going to end, then the reader can't know how it's going to end either. Well, you know, this this may seem like a crazy thing to say, but uh, to people who don't write, but do your characters sort of lead you mm-hmm. in the way to go? I mean, not nothing, mm-hmm. nothing weird, but you, you know, like you know your characters, especially oh, no. in a series, and they kind of oh, lead no, you. There's no, there, there's no question uh, that uh, that they do something, and and I have learned over the years uh, to try to have them do things that I don't expect. And that, that's always nice, too. Uh, I still like the story that Jim Bell tells. He had a character in one of his books, and he decided that that character has to be killed off. And his, his editor said, <coughs> excuse me, uh, I really hated it that you killed off such and such. And he said, well, I didn't really kill him off. I found him dead. <laughs> and so that's, 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 that's what I do, you know. <laughs> well, I let, um, let my characters tell me. Do you sit around daydreaming about ways you're um, going to off someone in a book? Because you have to get uh, creative. Oh yes. Oh, oh yes. Matter of fact, you know as well as I, uh, one of the more interesting conversations is one that you overhear at uh, at a fiction writers workshop you know if you, <laughs> right. if you hear hear the elevator conversation at ACFWR or go to international thriller writers and uh one uh, one writer of my acquaintance says that if uh, anyone ever gets hold of her browser history uh <laughs> they're probably going to arrest her yeah, it's not going to look good <laughs> no not um, at all. a lot of no um I know I should go to you and, and sometimes and see if what I'm I'm coming up with is feasible. But for my fight scenes, I always go to Carla Hoke because she uh-huh. she teaches fight right and does um, mixed martial arts for real. <laughs> so I'll ask her if that works or not. Um, now, how well, long you, did it you take? Can you can actually mm-hmm. uh-huh. go on. No, go on. Uh, well, you can you can actually get a lot of medical information from Doug Lyle, DP Lyle. Uh, he has a really wonderful website that talks about poisons and uh, shootings and stabbings and things like that. Uh, and it's it's really nice to uh, uh, really nice to read through his stuff periodically. What's his uh, website called so that any of our uh, writers who are listeners in, can go to it? If you just if you just Google Dr. D. P. Lyle L. Y. L. E. 
uh, you'll find it. I don't know offhand what the uh, what the website is. Okay. I can't remember. It yes. has something to do with uh, with medical problems. Well, that's enough for us to get to it. <laughs> that's yeah. awesome. Um, so how long did it take before you got your first contract? And where were you? I mean, do you always remember <laughs> that moment? <laughs> oh, yes. I remember it very well. Uh, I was actually on vacation. My wife and I were on vacation. We had a timeshare in North Carolina. Uh, and uh, I had uh, just about given up on uh, on my writing and on ever getting a, getting a contract. And I got uh, got a call, uh, which was a miracle in and of itself because uh, self-service was not that good where we were out, outside Asheville at Lake Poor. But uh, <clears throat> I got a contract from uh, Barbara Scott, who was just starting the fiction line at uh, Abingdon. And uh, I was very fortunate. I subsequently had, uh, let's see, four and three, I guess seven of my novels were published by Abingdon. But uh, uh, I still remember the call. And it took it took a while for it to soak in. I didn't really realize uh, all that was happening. I, I had always worked toward getting that first contract. But after the first contract, it's kind of like stepping on a merry-go-round and all of a sudden, you're you're going as fast as you possibly can and have three things thrown at you at the same time. Edits, okay. edits, edits. Oh, yes. <laughs> and, of course, well, for that yes. first contract, they could ask you, you don't know what you just signed, but you signed it. No. <laughs> as no, I figured as I, long as I wasn't selling my soul, I was good. <laughs> you know, that first contract is like the iTunes user agreement. Do you know anybody yes. who ever reads it? No, <laughs> no, but one of my contracts I did read later contracts I read, and it had a clause about if there was an amusement park named after <laughs> named after this mm. book that they would have the rights to it. And I thought, well, that's odd, but they've covered everything, haven't they? <laughs> oh, good grief! I don't think I, I know. Don't. You know, now now you make me want to go back and reread my contracts. Yeah, but, you might find something but, interesting in there. <laughs> I find something very interesting. Yeah, but um, uh, but that first contract, people don't realize that the first contract may be a multi book contract. It may just be for one book. Uh, yes. I think actually this one was one book with a with an option for two more, and then uh, the, they gave me an option for two more, and then uh, my fourth one, Barbara said, "Well." Uh, I'm going to retire, but I want to do one more of yours before I retire. So uh, let's do another one. And uh, then I got the, an offer from uh, my next publisher, which uh, was very nice. And then Abingdon took me back. So uh, people don't realize that you don't stay with the same publisher the whole time. Now, some people do, right. but I don't. That's true. Or, or some people, you know, they do, but then the publishing business isn't there anymore, <laughs> you know, mm, to continue. Oh, with, yes. Sad as well, well. You and I both have, you and I both have <laughs> friends who uh, whose contracts have been voided when uh, the publisher yes. decided, oh, I'm going to close down the Christian fiction line. Right. Yeah. Right. It's true. Um, so, um, what advice would you give to a beginning author who is in your same read, situation? Read mm -hmm. as much as you can. Read the good stuff so that you'll know what you should write. Read the bad stuff so you'll know what you should not do. 
right and then have it reviewed by somebody other than your Aunt Tilly, who obviously thinks that you are just a genius, <laughs> have, it, have it reviewed by somebody who knows what they're doing, revise, rewrite, uh, have it reviewed again, lather, rinse, and repeat. Just keep on doing. And then after <laughs> that, it's rear end and chair, fingers on keyboard, be persistent. That's it. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. Don't give up. Yeah. Even though it's a lot harder for people, you know, aspiring authors to get published these days, if you're persistent, oh, you just might. Um, uh, so uh, I, I looked at I looked at Romantic Times uh, uh, reviews today, and uh, just the new uh, new books and the inspirational uh, area, uh, they probably had a dozen or a dozen and a half. And there are many, many more that Romantic Times won't even review. So uh, when you figure that uh, there are literally thousands and thousands and thousands of books out there, you feel like uh, you're a voice crying in the wilderness. How do you get people to, to notice you? Well, yeah. I mean, out of the millions and millions on Amazon alone, mm -hmm. you know, how yeah. do you get discovered? <laughs> so uh, what are the elements that make a good mystery suspense or medical suspense if someone's going uh, to write that well the first the first element and one that people don't think too much about when i didn't think about it when i was first starting was they have to write characters with whom the individual can identify uh it may be somebody that they like it may be somebody that they hate uh but but they can at least identify they are three-dimensional, they are, they are characters that seem real, and then they have to have a goal. Uh, you don't know what the goal is, uh, but they should be, as, as my, again, Jim Bell, who is one of my mentors, says they have to be facing death of some sort, whether it's physical, whether it's emotional, whether it's professional, whatever it is, there has to be some kind of a conflict uh, and then you carry them along and, and uh, uh, don't don't get into trouble with the sagging middle, which we all are taught to avoid. <laughs> and then uh, then some kind of a, uh, a a roundup at the end that will that will be leave the people satisfied. You don't necessarily answer all the questions, but you answer most of them. Or you say you save some of them. If it's a series, especially you you save some of them for later. You know, and, and that's a good point um, that you make as a writer, but also as a reader. Um, there's mm -hmm. nothing I hate worse than not having all the ends tied up. You know, when, mm -hmm. I, when I get to the yeah. end of a book, now if it's a series, I'm hoping that once I get to the next book, you know, maybe they'll continue or, you know, explain something. But if they don't, if they leave me without an answer, I kind of feel cheated, don't you? Oh, I do, and especially if they if they don't at least address it. Like, well, why why did such and such happen? We'll never know that, or, or I don't know that, or we'll we'll investigate later. But if they just totally ignore it, uh, a lot of times that indicates that the author forgot it. Uh, and and let's face it, sometimes the authors do forget things. That's why that's why you have to have a good editor, a good second reader. 
Well, it's it's true. And I find when I'm writing, if if too much time goes in between, you know, like if you get a contract on something mm -hmm. else oh, yeah. and you can't get back and there's too much time in between, I'll write what I think is a really good sentence. And then I'll go back and, and find that I already wrote that two months ago. <laughs> it's That's like in my so head. Good. That's why it sounds so good. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but it is true, you know, you you need and that's why it's all it's good if you can do it all in one bunch, you know, if you can just, mm -hmm. you know, just go through it. Now you're writing something now. Your current work in progress is strong medicine. Um, how much uh, can well, you tell yeah, us about actually, it? Well, I can tell you a fair amount about it. Uh <clears throat> and uh, this one probably won't come out for a year, or so I've I've got another novella and another novel uh, in the queue before it, but uh, Strong Medicine, I, I, I wondered uh, what I could do uh, with, oh, how can I say this without turning everybody off? My wife thinks I should never publish this. Uh, a guy who, who opens <laughs> up an old Albertson store and establishes what he calls Faith Tabernacle. And he preaches and has healing services. And then one night, uh, his henchman, for lack of a better word, comes in and says, well, problem with the lady that you, who was in the wheelchair that you healed tonight, uh, well, what, what kind of problem? Well, it wasn't one of ours. You really did. Uh, you must have really healed her. Uh, and uh, so th this one features... This guy, whose life changes, uh, things were going along just fine until a miracle fouled him up, is the tagline. <laughs> uh, but it also uh, features a guy who uh, has, is a failed physician who has decided to go to seminary, uh, and also another physician who is in practice, but uh, she is being burnt. She is burned out, but, uh, and uh, actually, the story, the novella, is uh, how those three. Uh, st those three stories intertwine, and eventually there is uh, what I hope is a satisfying ending. You know that is, that is um, really fascinating, and I think it's it's funny that you mentioned that it's in old Albertsons because we had an old Kroger mm -hmm. out here in the woodlands, mm -hmm. and somebody started mm -hmm. a church in it. And I thought, wouldn't it be neat if they um, the fruit and vegetable section they made the fruits of the spirit. <laughs> <laughs> I call it the fruits of the spirit. I just thought that's how my mind works. But, <laughs> but um, that's, you know, that sounds like a fascinating plot. So, and you'll have just enough time to get it all together. And is it going to be like a 20,000 word novella or something uh, a little bit? Probably middle? about 24,000, 25,000. Yeah. 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 That's, that's the difference, you know, as well as I do. That novellas, I think, are harder to write than novels because you have to uh, you, yes. you follow one primary primary uh, trail, so to speak, with maybe a couple of side ones if you if you're really ambitious. But you've got to get in and get out and and uh, use a smaller cast of characters too. So, and that is see. so true. It's challenging. And then I took it down to the five or 6,000 short story and that that's even harder. Mm -hmm. And you want to go off on some more trails, you know, cause you want to mm -hmm. throw in red herrings yeah. and all that, but um, mm -hmm. which if anyone doesn't know what that means, you know, that's to throw someone off the trail. Yeah. If you're listening, mm -hmm. 
Um, yeah. So would you have you would you ever consider going into another genre uh, like a fiction or maybe you know going back and forth into nonfiction? Uh, you know, I asked my agent about this when I was first getting started. And she said, mm -hmm. as long as you have an audience and as long as people like what you're writing and the way that you write it, no, I wouldn't change. However, uh, I, you know, I look at people like, for instance, John Grisham, who uh, went off into other books, uh, Playing for Pizza, for instance, which is a short book about a guy who uh, goes to Italy and, and uh, plays professional football over there. Uh, I, I'm not sure that I'll ever be like John Grisham or uh, Robert B. Parker or some of those who have an, enough followers that I can uh, that I can go off. But uh, I, I guess I'm too chicken in one sense. Uh, I, I, I hate to, to I hate to leave the comfort of writing what I know and what what I've learned how to do. But uh, eventually, I think it'd be fun. Yeah, I mean, uh, so no, no secret passion to write speculative fiction no. or oh, <laughs> or romance. No, <laughs> no uh, speculative fiction is something I neither read nor write, and romance. <laughs> uh, theoretically, what I write uh, is about thirty percent romance and sixty-five to seventy percent mystery. I like to say there's enough romance to keep the interest of the reader, but not enough that a male reader will uh, vomit or throw it down, you know. So <laughs> Wait. that's kind of what I do. I sort of think the elements of a good book always include mystery and romance. Mm -hmm. That's oh, my theory. Sure. What do you think? Yeah, yeah. I mean, because you know, oh, you've definitely. got, there's a definite mystery about a person or whatever, and, and romance can't hurt because... Mm -hmm. You know, most of the readers out there are women, and they they love a little romance in there. Now, let's talk it's about running out of you time. Might... What? Okay. You, no, you go may on. have heard this, this, the theory that 85% of the women who read either Christian or I think the new term is inspirational fiction, 85% of the readers are female. Oh, what? well, you know, the last I heard it was 80%, so... I must have gone up. We're, we're close. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Well, we have five minutes, well, four now, left to talk about cardiac arrest. And I'm just going to read the blurb, and then, then you tell me uh, what it was like writing it or tell us something about it. Okay. Cardiologist mm -hmm. Dr. Kirk Martin continually crosses swords with Dr. Cliff Hamilton, so he is surprised when Hamilton asks him to care for him after a heart attack. When he's ready for discharge, Hamilton is found dead in his hospital bed, and Martin is suspected of murdering him. After another doctor is found shot to death, Martin's girlfriend, Nurse Janet Rush, reminds him to be careful because he may be next. Can he save his own life while searching for the identity of the real murderer? Okay, how were you inspired to write that? I mean, do you get it off the news, or which that's inspiration enough? Or did you just well, actually, come up with uh, No, as you know, most, uh, well, uh, I was inspired initially by Alton Gansky, who taught me to ask, what if? You know, uh, my thought was, I, I think I was reading a report of a cardiologist, uh, and I thought, well, 
this guy is kind of protective of, of what he does. What if he had a doctor who uh, <clears throat> who occasionally crossed the line because he had been sort of trained in that area, uh, and uh, then uh, everybody knows that there's enmity between the two? What if uh, the older doctor asked the younger one to take care of him when he has a heart attack? He's literally holding this guy's life in his hands. He could kill him if he wants to. Nobody's saying anything about it. He, you know, just a medical misadventure. But then when he does die, uh, the the younger doctor is accused of being his murderer. Uh, and and it sort of went from there. I, I let, the, let the character speak to me. Uh, and uh, I put in some other people and the, the chief of staff and the, some of the emergency room doctors and so forth. So it, it's interesting in my in my it, to me. And of course, I did not know who the bad guy was when I started writing it. So that that always is is uh, is interesting to me to see how it comes out. Too. Well, gosh, now we're running out of time. But the first question that would come to my mind as a reader is, why does Hamilton want Doctor Martin to take care of him if they're at odds? You know, Martin I mean, is the that's best. Just, Martin is the best. He's the, he's the best guy around, and just because they've had their differences doesn't mean that uh, uh, doesn't mean that he shouldn't ask him to 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 do what he sh- what he does. Uh, Martin is a cardiologist, and actually he <laughs> he uh, can put stents in and so forth uh, and get get the man over his heart attack. Okay, now we're we are running out of time. How can peop- How can readers find you? Uh, rmabry.com is my website. rmabry.blogspot.com is my blog, which is a Tuesday, Thursday thing. I'm on Facebook, R. Mabry Books, Twitter, Richard Mabry. Uh, and, uh, you know, I, I'm not hiding, but uh, that that's where I am. <laughs> okay, so they can find you, and your books are offered everywhere where fine books can be found. Well, this uh, cardiac event is... Uh, is right now on Amazon because it was independently published. Eventually it will be available, I think, in other areas. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, Richard. It's been a joy having you on the show. Thank you listeners for tuning in to Chat Noir, Mystery and Suspense. Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18. Plus. Don't you love an extra $100 in your pocket? Have a TurboTax expert file your taxes for you by March 31st to get $100 back instantly. Because no matter what moves you made last year, TurboTax makes them count. That means getting $100 back and 100% accurate taxes 
only from Intuit TurboTax. Must file by 331. Credit only applicable to federal filing fees with TurboTax full service. Offer can be modified or terminated at any time. 